morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. I'm Mark Roble. I'm Patrick Don. So it's the third and I think the last of our conversations on Scrum Guide 2020. And so obviously yesterday you got to hear part two. Two days ago you got to hear part one. Today's part three. I think we're going to wrap up with some stuff that we found that was really interesting. Uh, we did a little bit of that towards the end of the last episode. I think in this one, it's more of that. Um, Patrick, you want to start with one you liked? Sure. Um, so one of the things that I found particularly beneficial about this is um, they clarify the role of the scrum master as uh, part of the team. They're, the scrum master is part of the scrum team. They're not an ancillary adjunct to the scrum team. Um, they should be treated as such. And also uh, the language that they use is there's, they, the Scrum Master is a true leader within the organization. And that does two things, that statement does. Uh, one thing is it removes kind of the stigma and the bastardization of the term servant leader, which has come to mean, unfortunately, the person who does all the administrative work for somebody, um, which that was never intended to be the case. Um, and it, it changes the verbiage to a true leader. This is a leader yep. to look to look towards, not just somebody that will handle the stuff you don't want to do. I and think people leaned on servant more than leader. They heard servant right. and they were like, <laughs> "Yeah, exactly. Get me coffee." So the uh, um, the other thing that that simple statement does is it mentions the organization that the scrum master is a change agent within the org itself, not just within one team doing scrum within an org. It's within the org. And I, I, I really like that because it's, it's something that um, I think that all good scrum masters do, but it's never really mentioned anywhere. You know, it's interesting that in the scrum master deck that I'm helping someone rewrite, we have all of the things you should be as a scrum master and an equal number of things you should not be. And one of them literally is called out as coffee getter right yeah yeah and and yet think about it from the perspective of if i'm going to like i'm going to tell you what you do but when i'm doing that i'm going to tell you a whole bunch of stuff you're not supposed to do doesn't that kind of make you stop and go why did you have to tell me all the stuff i'm not supposed to do <laughs> right and i think this language clarifies like we may take out a few of those slides because if we go with the new definition we don't have to say by the way that's not getting coffee it's not being a scribe you know all of these things that people um, but it also makes me think that there's going to be, you know, a slow acceptance of some of these things. You know, it's not as if we suddenly have the new Scrum Guide and everybody goes, got it. Let's, yeah, let's well, I, right. And I think we talked about that towards the end of the last episode. And it's it's so true is the adaptation of the new way of looking at it. You know, those of us who are in it and in the weeds are like, woohoo, we got changes in there all good. And then you have to go and say, hey, the way you were doing it, that's not how we play the game anymore. It's like, it's the, it's the new edition of Monopoly. And we've gone from what my kids used to have as momopoly, where my, you know, my spouse would do different things that were definitely not in the rules, but made it so that they wanted to play. Because as we all know, or those who have played Monopoly know, that, that game can be a real bear. It's a bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> and so my spouse had monopoly so that it was not so 
I never want to play this game again because when you're, you know, eight, nine, 10 and you have bloodbath, you're not going to want to do that. And I think that the changes that we're talking about for the scrum guide are going to be, wait, I like the way we used to do it. The way we used to do it was really cool for me. And it's like, yeah, I know they were cool for you, but we're trying to make it so that it's actually better for everyone, not just for you. And wasn't it de designed around the time of the Great Depression? So it's like, wouldn't you like to be reminded of where you are by losing everything in a game? <laughs> right. And going to jail. <laughs> One of the things I thought was interesting as a call out is um, if the product owner or scrum master are actively working on items in the sprint, sprint backlog, they participate as developers. Right. Which is, which is again, like a, and a good and a bad. So we've had dev managers, for example, that do, some of them do it, almost the same amount of work as everybody else on the team. Um, and sometimes uh, product owners will do some of that work as well. And yet there's been a hesitancy to go and assign them anything because they're effectively, you know, off the clock as yeah. I usually say. So the question, so that then introduces a question of how do you do capacity planning with people who periodically show up? And I don't want to address that here, but I think that's going to be an interesting problem when you have people who won't be fully dedicated to being able to do some of this work still adding value. And I hate to open up this can of worms, but maybe no estimation scrum is something that then becomes far more um, uh, interesting to a variety of teams. See what I would but, say, what I would say to that from the get-go is how do you do it now, right? If, mm -hmm. if they're already part of the team, are they already estimating the work that they do? Are they not? Why would you change it? Yeah, and that's something that I, I'm really glad they called this out because I, I think that this has been a blind spot for a long time in the Scrum Guide because I never, I have never worked in an organization that has actually had the resourcing to have dedicated Scrum Masters for each and every single team within sure. the org. That's, yep. that's never happened. And I think a lot of the times you have developers filling dual roles. See, it's interesting. I've worked in, I worked at companies where it was not one-to-one -one scrum master to team. It would be one scrum master to many, right? And then they would cap out at like three to five. And uh, then, six. six well, well but, see, but well, hold, hold. We've all been at companies that have been on a one-to-twenty ratio, right and i i think the challenge that you run into is that when they wrote it and even today if you hear them talk about it they still talk about it as oh yeah you know you just have a dedicated scrum master and it's like where because that would be super awesome it'll be interesting to see how the the wording changes affects companies willingness to have dedicated scrum masters yeah mm. Um, another thing I wanted to point out too is uh, highlighted. I highlighted the sprint review, and this this could pretty much have been right out of my own mouth over the last several years. The sprint review is a working session, and the Scrum team should avoid limiting it to a presentation. You know, I, I call out in the deck that I did for the basics class, like it should not be a dog and pony show. It is. It is not anything like that. You know, and working session. Unfortunately, they didn't say. Working sessions should, for example, engage active responses from stakeholders. Like, don't just sit there and go, good, and the product owner says accepted, but rather, you know, if, if, if you get some arguments between people in the room about what they just saw and whether they liked it or not, to me, that's 
you know, a good engagement, like people are had yeah. some skin in the game. Um, I think they oftentimes degenerate into just a presentation. We're done, you know, let's go on. And it, it doesn't, yeah. and it doesn't feed into a bigger planning loop. Well, I think we've all worked with product owners who have maybe not been engaged throughout the sprint and wait until the sprint review to see the work so that they can, they can do their Caesar impression, right? Either thumbs up or thumbs down. But we've found, I've found working with product owners who are engaged throughout the sprint where the sprint review ends up a little bit of a dog and pony, but it's more to the stakeholders. It's like the product owners already seen it because they've already been part of the process and they've already signed off on it. And this is to show to the stakeholders, hey, I'm the product owner, I've approved this work. If you want something different, then let's talk about how we can do that after this presentation or after they, this sprint review. They've mm -hmm. even included that wording in the, in the rewrite, which is to say, you can do incremental reviews with people yep. as you go, right? So that I don't think was ever in there either. Well, no. I think one, one of the things to tie into that that I absolutely loved is they changed the verbiage around the product increment where they say, rather than the increment is delivered at the end of the sprint and okay, bye. Um, it's now the increment is a step to achieving the product the goal. The product goal, right. That was so cool. All right. I think we've covered about everything we can cover. Uh, so until the next iteration, I'm Brent. I'm Mark. And I'm Patrick. Until the next iteration, you can give us a rating at your podcast provider. Shoot us an email at info at faster than standup.com or you can find us on Twitter at faster standup. Thanks for listening. And that was faster than standup. 